Welcome to Teaching Artist Podcast, a show dedicated to discussions of teaching art to kids, making art, and how those things overlap and feed each other. I'm Rebecca Potts, your host, a visual arts teaching artist. so much for listening. I wanted to share some personal news here. I am actually transitioning out of the classroom again. I've been doing some arts assessment writing work on the side for about a year now, and through that work I connected with the Art of Education University, where I am now a K-12 curriculum designer. While I already miss my students, I am also so excited to be working with the amazing team at AOEU to develop useful, relevant, meaningful curricula and resources for teachers all over the country. I'll continue this podcast, and I should say again here that the views expressed here are my own and my guests, and I do have so much respect and empathy for all of you in the classroom right now in this continuing pandemic and I will be bringing that into my work, as well as continuing to build community here and through the monthly Teaching Artists Lounge meetings that I co-host with Victoria Fry of Visionary Art Collective. Our next meeting is actually coming up on October 23rd. Victoria and I will each be giving a mini artist talk and then sharing some tips and advice around speaking and writing about your work. We would love to have you join us for this free workshop. I'll include the link in the show notes, and you can also find it through Instagram at Teaching Artists Podcast. Hope to see you there. Mary Beth Flynn shared her experience growing both her house portrait business and her art education business. She talked about being a lifelong artist and a lifelong entrepreneur, and it was amazing to hear how she really embodies both. I also loved hearing about the therapeutic aspects of the work she's doing through her Artfully Aging programs. She ties in storytelling and song to add an oral component to her watercolor projects. We can probably all relate to the necessarily fast learning curve with technology during this pandemic. Mary Beth revamped her website, but also shifted her business model and created over 20 projects with training videos and shipped kits. She talked about being daunted at first, taking time to just organize and take stock, but then seeing the potential of moving beyond her geographic area. It's so inspiring to see how she has grown her business and continues to adapt. Mary Beth Flynn received a degree in Human and Environmental Sciences from the University of Missouri in 1981. For many years, while raising children, she worked as a commercial designer and a professional watercolor house portrait artist. Artfully Aging was founded in 2009. It was through having an extensive art background, experience working with seniors, and a desire to contribute to society that Mary Beth's vision for Artfully Aging emerged. While serving the St. Louis senior community for over a decade, Artfully Aging brought watercolor art programming to over 45 senior living communities. In the face of the 2020 pandemic, Artfully Aging discovered that it not only had to pivot, but also had to automate in order to continue serving the senior care community. In early 2021, Artfully Aging launched its new business model, ready to serve seniors everywhere. Let's hear from Mary Beth. So I am talking with Mary Beth Flynn today, and I'm excited to hear about your background and some of your wisdom that I think will especially help me. So I'll let you tell the story. Maybe if you could start with how you got into art and also teaching. Okay. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for having me today. I'm happy to be here. I love to share my story. Yeah. I have had a lifelong love of participating in visual arts. And I I think I've also been a lifelong entrepreneur. So uh, those two things together, I keep trying to form businesses using my art in some way. 
So when I was a little girl, I loved to do art and I made things and I would sell them. And I even went so far as to, like, I remember making a whole collection of Christmas ornaments and putting them in a box with a price list and going door to door with them. <laughs> and my parents were like, well, she's just going to be a, you know, a saleswoman. That's what she is. And my mom would take me to different little consignment boutiques and help me sell my little wares. And I always dreamt of having my own line of something. I loved art and I ended up majoring in interior design in college. And I have a bachelor's from uh, Mizzou specializing in interior design. I thought that would be uh, much more practical than majoring in fine art, something I could actually apply, you know, and do something with, I guess is what what I was thinking. And I did that for uh, several years right out of college. And I worked in the commercial end doing contract interiors. and, And that was very interesting. I learned a lot. And Actually, a lot about being out in the business world. And then I got married and had kids, became a stay-at-home mom and decided I'd start tinkering around in my artwork again. And then not too long after that, I found myself a single stay-at-home mom with little kids. And I wanted to continue to stay home if I could. And I decided, well, maybe I'll just be a freelance artist now and do something I was making little greeting cards and peddling them around town. And then someone asked me if I could do a house portrait, a real estate agent, friend. I had lots of friends in my community. I'm here in St. Louis and I lived out in the suburbs and I had a lot of friends who wanted to be supportive of my endeavors. And a real estate agent friend asked if I could do a house portrait as a closing gift. And I uh, did that and it turned out pretty well. And I thought, hmm, now maybe this is something I could pursue like as a little business, a little niche business or something. And I ended up developing a house portrait business. And I did, uh, I've been doing those for 25 years now. I've probably done over 2000 houses all over the country. And I started, I got in a mail order catalog. I uh, did some advertising in national magazines like uh, Midwest Living. And for a while, I had a publicist that got me publicity, you know, featured kind of stories in magazines. And then back when it was time, you know, I guess about 16 or 18 years ago, I got a website, like, oh, wow, I got a website. <laughs> and, and that really helped because if somebody saw an ad in a magazine, and they couldn't see my actual work, then it, it really helped that they could go to a website and see it. And I started getting orders from all over and it was, it was really exhilarating and fun and a lot of work. And, and then the recession hit in 2008, 9, 10 and that time. And I had to start scrambling around a little bit and finding other things to do. And I worked part time for an architectural design firm where I started back in the beginning and worked part time as a floral designer. I worked part time as a home caregiver for a senior care company thinking I was never really going to do that. Never, like in my mind, had I ever planned on doing that. And and one of my charges, I had done a house portrait for their family that I, that it just kind of was happens coincidence that I ended up in this home. And they're like, you did our house portrait. You're an artist. You're going to do art with mom. I was like, oh, great. I'd love to do art with your mom. And <laughs> so I started doing projects with her. And I, at the same time, was looking for something else to do. I was kind of trying to get the stars to line up. Like, what am I going to do now? I'm a watercolor artist and who needs those skills? And I really need a, you know, a permanent stable kind of job going. And I had people encouraging me. I'd never taught art before and I had never worked with seniors before, but now I was, and I was starting to see the value in that. And at this, about the same time, I had these yearnings, leanings to do something meaningful, something that would give back to society. So I ended up getting a little through a friend who was an OT at an adult day center. I got on with their activity department doing art twice a month. And I thought, well, okay, there could be a market for this. There are communities coming up everywhere. You know, this is 13 years ago. Maybe I could develop a little you know, curriculum or program and I could market, maybe I could do, maybe I could do this. (laughs) (laughs) So I did. 
And it was been a lot of work. And I did develop all the programming, all the watercolor projects, all 65 of them for different seasons and different themes and, you know, every kind of different subject matter. And, and I ended up, you know, I didn't start with any of that. I had to like, it was all trial and error and, you know, coming up with it, but it took about 12 years to develop all that programming and a system for actually implementing it and how I was going to do it and do it with different levels of care. Because, you know, I ended up with about 45 communities that I was serving in St. Louis and I ended up working with different levels of care. So independent living seniors and assisted living and memory care. And suddenly in the beginning, I was like, well, I've never really done this before. So I need to get some training. I went to the Alzheimer's Association and I went to some of their workshops. And, you know, I just threw myself in it that way on a very kind of organic level. Like I didn't go take sign up to get a degree in gerontology. I just did it in the community. And, but I needed the training. I knew people were like, Oh, you're, you could teach it so easily. You could do it. I, and, and I love it. Actually, I love teaching. And it's really strange because you don't know what you know. Like I, I had to have my own realization that I knew more than I ever imagined that I knew it was all in my head and I didn't even know it was in there, you know? Then it was figuring out how to impart it to these different populations. And I found it very, you know, challenging, but very fun and very rewarding. I never really even thought about working with seniors that much. And, you know, there is a real person in there. And a lot of them have, you know, there's so much memory care out there and so many people with Alzheimer's and dementia and Alzheimer's that you know, and there are real people in there. And there's a way, there's this whole person-centered approach and person-centered care. And I just fell right into that. That was like, you're talking my language. So I tried to develop my programming with that kind of philosophy, a holistic approach to doing art and making art approachable for everyone. And that there's no one right or wrong way to do any of these projects that I've developed and helping them to find their own creativity and let it come out. And, you know, most people are afraid. They were like deer in the headlights, you know, like, I can't do that. I'm, oh, yes, you can. I've developed my own strategies and ways of getting them to do it. (laughs) And some communities I have served ever since the beginning, you know, the same community. And some have come and gone over the years. And it became a big scheduling thing. You know, I learned so much about this whole industry, just being in it and working the different levels and going to different communities. And so over time, I realized that I could grow my business even beyond what I could do. And uh, people would ask, you know, are you going to franchise or what are you throwing out a lot of ideas? And franchising is a very expensive and time-consuming endeavor. (laughs) I was like, One, I decided I probably wasn't up to, but I could find people to work for Artfully Aging. That's the name of my business. Did I even tell you that? (laughs) I don't think you said that. (laughs) So I came up with the name early on and I worked hard to find the name, uh, the right name, because I wanted to have, uh, I had a vision that this was going to go on and I wanted to find a name that could go with it and grow with it and would speak to my holistic approach, you know, like not art for seniors or senior art program or something that felt way too pedestrian and too cold, you know, too cold for me. So I came up with Artfully Aging and I even, you know, I searched it. I made sure that I didn't think anybody else out there had it. And I got a domain name before I even got the website. (laughs) Yeah. You mentioned strategies for helping your students overcome that fear of creativity. I'm wondering if you could share some of those strategies, like what you've, what you've come up with and what you've seen works for that. Well, I have some little isms and little things I like to say to the seniors when I'm working with them. And, you know, one of them is, what have you got to lose? You know, and they are like, well, nothing. And so I'm like, well, then let's let go. You know, the, another one is, Everyone wants to try to do it perfectly. And I catch them trying to do it perfectly. I'm like, okay, stop trying to be so perfect. I want you to relax. 
and have fun with this. Beauty and perfection have nothing to do with each other. And I know this, and I can tell them this very honestly and without a doubt. If you relax and stop worrying about being perfect, it will be beautiful. It will. And it might not be perfect, but that's okay. That's not what we're looking for. Yeah. And it's true. It is, it's true every time. You know, your painting looks like if you're worried about being perfect, your work looks like that. So let's leave all our cares at the door. This is our time to relax and have fun and just let it flow. And I, you know, in my, the way I implement it, I have developed a a process where this is not a drawing class. So I don't like require, I started, I had to do a little trial and error in the beginning. And I did start by doing like still life drawings and helping them do that and then painting it. Well, that was a big endeavor. So, and I would help them a lot, but I ended up coming up with my own designs for projects and then kind of either doing, helping them do a transfer, a graphite transfer of the image, or depending on who the group is, maybe bringing the graphite image on the watercolor paper for them ready. So we don't have to labor over who can draw and who can't and all of that. So then they have a basic layout and it's in graphite. It's not a, it's not like a coloring sheet because the graphite diminishes as you paint on it. Mm -hmm. So they can change it in any way they want, whether they do it intentionally or unintentionally doesn't matter, (laughs) but it looks intentional, you know? So then we're just painting and it, 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 it's like giving it to them, you know, it's fine. And, and some of my groups, I do have them do the transfer and I mm-hmm. help them do the graphite transfer. And I'll say this way, you'll have a little more skin in this game. You know, if you have to put it on the paper too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's interesting because it brings up in the teaching that I've done, I'm shifting more and more away from teacher directed projects towards like full student choice. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a, it's an interesting balance when you're working with kids and you're really trying to push that creativity and push the idea that you have ideas that are worthy and you have like your hand and your mark is important and worth putting on the paper. Whereas I feel like with seniors and you're talking a lot about memory care as well, where this act of of just letting the paint kind of flow is maybe that that's more important than having their voice come out in the composition, that it's more about them being able to, you know, select colors and play with colors and have this movement of the paint, the watercolor. Right. Um, And having that basis to start from is maybe, I can see that being helpful. A guide. Right. Because if you don't give them a guide, they're, they are, they are like, and, and most people are, you know, like deer in the headlights, like they just don't even know where to start. So, yeah. Do you shift away from that later? Like if you, if you work with, you know, group for a longer period of time, mm-hmm. do, are they moving towards like, I'm okay doing my own drawing? Uh, they actually, they like it. it and, yeah. Okay. Well, I give, I do give the option. If anyone mm-hmm. here would like to do something different or go off on their own and do, you know, something other than what I have here, that is perfectly fine. And I will help right. them do it. I I always say that I'll support you. I'll help you in any way I can do that. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes there are those people who want to do that. I do find that they usually like having a guide, you know, uh, some parameters to work within. Yeah. So, yeah, I had to figure a lot of these things out. And then I realized that doing seasonal kinds of projects, it, it makes for a whole experience. So that's another thing I started trying to think of this as a meaningful activity, like a whole experience with complete with reminiscing and storytelling. Right. And, and to draw on like whatever the subject is could be where we start from for, for storytelling, like if it's seasonal or whatever, you know, we, I have some landscapes and boats and all, you know, kinds of different subjects. So, yeah. One thing I didn't say is I started with watercolor because that's what I know. Mm. And so that's what I started with. But 
But as time has gone on, I feel more and more certain that it's the best medium because it is, it's really not messy. It's not expensive. It's very portable. I, I recommend just a Prang watercolor box, just the basic watercolor box. And they're very easy to move, to tote around and they're not expensive. They last a while and it's not messy. And actually everybody says this, I'm sure you've heard it. Watercolor is the hardest one. And I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> it's just, you can't be afraid of the water. So mm -hmm. another little ism I have is, you know, in watercolor, water's your best friend. Mm -hmm. Water makes the world go round in watercolor. You can use a lot of it to do some things and then use less of it to do other things. And water's your best friend. Don't be afraid of the water, you know? Yes. And, and, and it's so fluid, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that so suddenly it's like, no, there are a lot of really good reasons why we're working in watercolor. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I found my, I was telling you earlier that I have one senior class and uh -huh. they love watercolor. They keep, because we'll kind of shift between different materials, different projects. And we keep asking them, like, do you, what would you like to do? Here are some options. And it's always like, we want more watercolor. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They love it. So, yeah, I think it's fun too. And, mm -hmm. and it's not messy. That That's the other thing. You know, I'll get to a community and they'll have all the tables covered with plastic and I'm like, you really, we don't really They're need scared. That. <laughs> I don't want that there because I usually, we tape their paper to the work surface usually, mm -hmm. you know, the edges all the way around. And um, yeah, that's a standard part of our process also is taping the paper about a quarter of an inch in and, mm -hmm. and then it, it, that works to keep the paper flat while you're painting it. And then I encourage them to paint over the tape edge all on all sides and then when you remove the tape, you've got this beautiful white crisp frame around it, ready to go. Yeah. You know? And so that's uh, one of my standard part of the process is the taping. And mm -hmm. so where Artfully Aging has gone in like 2018, 19, I decided I would try to expand Artfully Aging and maybe bring mm -hmm. in some other artists like myself who could be out, out there in even in the St. Louis area, there's, you know, this is a growing industry and that maybe there are more uh, communities to go to and, and maybe I could ha bring them on like salespeople, like other people with the same kind of skill sets I have mm -hmm. <laughs> and who don't need a full-time job or benefits from this. So it's like, okay, that's kind of the, the orders getting taller and taller, you know, and <laughs> you know how it is with art in this artist world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I found actually a couple and who wanted to try it. And I, I was like, I'm going to train you. I'll train you how to, I'll give you leads. I'll train you in selling and the process and, and it will be for artfully aging and you, you know, go out and I give you a territory and it, I actually started with three. I ended up with two people and, and it was kind of working. And, you know, some people had other jobs and other things they were doing and they were doing this also, but they were getting groups and, and people knew artfully aging and, you know, kind of knew of us, a lot of people in St. Louis. And it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work for me because I had to manage my own groups and then help them. I was on the phone all day long in my car, out of the car everywhere, you know, and, um, talking to them and helping them. And, mm -hmm. and then uh, artfully aging did all the billing. So that's how that was set up. And that was fine. They were subcontractors. Is Right. So then the pandemic hit and everything shut down in a week. I it was like, they're falling like dominoes. I was getting phone calls and emails, you know, from all the clients. And, and of course, at first I thought it will only last a few months, maybe. And I'm going to take this time and organize all my programming. That's what I thought. I'm going to get all my or organized, everything organized, get a little copyright notice on everything and get everything kind of buttoned down and cleaned out and, you know. So I did all that. And then I started talking to a mentor friend and about how, oh, and, and then of course, Zoom, maybe I could make Zoom videos and maybe I could do something that way. But I am not very, I don't have a lot high technical, lot tech skills. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And um, I have come a long way. I feel like I've come light years in a year. <laughs> oh, I feel like there are so many teachers right there along with you. <laughs> right. It was, you know, it was a little daunting, that whole thing. And mm-hmm. and my friend was like, well, you could do this whole thing online. Like there are so many possibilities for your program. I was like, really? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have any idea how to do any of that. She's like, it could be a whole online thing. I was like, so we kept talking and actually I tried. So I made some Zoom videos and uh, and I figured out how to do some step-by-step project videos with my phone and, you know, download them onto my computer. And then I figured out I could, you know, I was talking to my local communities, like who would want to try this? And I could send you some a prepared packet of watercolor sheets ready to paint for a project and send you a color sheet of that, you know, of the project. And then I could email you a link to a video and then I'll send you an invoice for that. And oh yeah, so several wanted to try it. They wanted to try it. And I was figuring out how to hone my video skills. (laughs) And um, (laughs) then the idea was, well, you could put all of this on a website. You could have the videos on the website and you could do an e-commerce component, like an online platform for the whole thing. And then you won't even have to do this invoicing thing. And all of that sounded marvelous, but <laughs> I, I, I had no clue how to get there, you know? Well, so the long and short of it is over the last year, I ended up actually hiring a developer who mm-hmm. they develop websites and, and business models. And, you know, they kind of do the whole package and they helped me build it and figure out the model and how it would work. Cause it's, Even though I'm doing the same thing, the business model would have to change to be an online thing. Mm -hmm. So in February, I launched the brand new website with an uh, online platform. And we started with, I think, 22 projects loaded and with videos. So and and a whole menu on the site and a page with all the benefits of doing art with seniors and its targeted two senior living communities. And it was a lot of work to get all the information together and all the pictures and all the testimonials, right. and all the videos. And I'm still working on the videos. I mean, now I'm, I actually added summer since the launch, but now I'm getting ready to add my, a grouping of uh, fall and Halloween theme projects. And then on the heels of that will be Christmas and holidays. And then winter. And then we'll start adding more because I still have more. Like I said, I have about 65 projects. Right. But making that many videos, that's a lot. (laughs) Right. And so then, you know, there was, I had to, actually, there's some high level videos. So back to kind of the the whole philosophy and how in the big picture, how this works is it is, our aging is still for senior living communities and seniors who reside there. And it still works with and for every level of care. And we offer all the projects. And then each project has a step-by-step instructional video that coordinates with it. Mm -hmm. And each video has ideas for reminiscing and and storytelling, or maybe some other kind of related activities or songs that, that might go with that project theme. And there are also a couple of higher, I call them high level training videos. And they are really, uh, all the videos are really for training the staff to do what I've been doing in person. Mm -hmm. And so they're train the trainer videos. There's a hot, you know, a longer video and you don't get access to it until you actually purchase a project, but it kind of takes you through how to do a whole project start to finish in its demo. I am painting and talking and doing, setting up a whole project and, and one that might have a lot of different techniques. There's a lot of sponging in my program. So that is for activity staff. So they will know how to guide their residents through a project. And there's a, another shorter video, and it's about uh, implementing the program. And that is on my website. It's on the How It Works page. And mm-hmm. it talks about working with different levels of care and different strategies. And I'll talk a little more about that too, if you'd like, about working with different levels. I didn't really finish all oh, of yeah. that. And once you purchase a project, 
purchasing a project means that you've purchased a packet of prepared sheets. Mm-hmm. And with it, you get access to the videos and the actual sheets and the ability to download and print finished projects. So, you know, so the residents could have something to reference while they're painting. Right. Even though it doesn't have to look like that. Like I said, the more guides they have, the easier time they have. They feel yeah. like they have to have something to guide them. Yeah. Well, I love too that you're including that storytelling like that feels like a really important part of Mm -hmm. the whole process that there's this oral part of it they're in community together and they're able to sit and paint and relax and also talk and share these stories and I love that that's included the like prompts and ideas around that are included in the projects too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it makes it a whole activity you know Mm -hmm. not just do a doing craft or something, you know, it, it yeah. tries to make it a, I call it soulful. Mm, yeah, <laughs> totally. I love that. Yeah. And if you, if you did want to talk about the different levels of care and kind of the okay. difference in, in your approach. Yeah. So like I said, there's a, you know, there are step-by-step instructional videos for each project. And then there's some high level videos about like the program overview. So mm-hmm. a community can be trained in how to do the artfully aging watercolor program. Yeah, they could even train their volunteers to help Mm -hmm. and they can help them. So and with these step by step videos, they could like if you have a high if you're in an independent living community, and you have a group of, you know, high functioning seniors, independent seniors, you could potentially get them set up, you know, help them set up, and then let them watch the video can start and stop you always have access to it. It's not live by any Right. They just have access to it through their portal on the website that they Mm -hmm. create. And so you could set them up and they could follow along with the video on Mm -hmm. their own, you know, kind of independently and uh, maybe even stretch it over a couple of times or two times, you know. And I find that senior, you know, the higher functioning folks, they like to kind of personalize their projects too, even more, put different details on and, you know, just pour over them a little more. And yeah, that's great. Now, and then there's a gray area, like if you have assisted living, skilled nursing, some of those folks often do have some dementia or memory issues going on. And so you have got often different levels of people in one group. And so it's really important that the staff are sensitive to who needs what. And that's when it's really important that they've viewed the videos and they kind of know how to guide them along. Mm-hmm. I don't recommend for every group that you play the video for them because I think it gets hard for them to watch the video and follow it and paint. And it's, I, I think it's kind of cognitively maybe too much. So there's gray area in there. And then with the memory care, I do not recommend trying to, I mean, if staff want to play it over here while they're, you know, to, for them to watch, but not to expect the residents to follow it, they will depend on the staff to guide them. And then within that, I also recommend with some of the folks, especially people who are more afraid, and and that's a big thing. People are afraid. I've never watercolored. I don't know how to do this. I can't, they just made me come, you know? Mm. (laughs) And it's like, no, leave your worries at the door. This is for fun. You're going to be amazed how well you do. And Mm -hmm. I give prompts. I give help. But you have to ask, you know, you always have to treat everyone with the utmost of respect, everyone with equal respect. Mm -hmm. And I ask, can I help you? Can I, can, is it okay if I do something on your painting to help you get started? Like, and I may outline some of the elements with the paint and I'll say, now paint all of this in. Oh, okay. I can do that. And then, and then it helps them realize that they can do more than they think you know, and then they get into it. And one school of thought could be like, well, you're doing it for them. Well, you know, maybe I'm helping them get into it. This is supposed to be making art approachable. And if it means that we're lowering their fear level, that's fine. But always ask. Yeah. So that's a great way. Now, if you're doing this on Zoom, you can't do that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But my staff can do that. I mean, 
you know, in my program that where I'm teaching the, the staff how to do this, they can do things like that. And another great one is, have you ever heard of hand over hand? No. Okay. Well, I demoed that technique in my videos mm. also. And that's oh, where you, where you... Their hand, you have to, of mm-hmm. course, ask them, can I help you? I love this because I'll say, can I help you? And they're like, oh, please. I'm like, well, can I hold your hand? And they're like, well, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So there is a technique and I demo it in one of my videos. And um, you're going to hold the brush. I'm going to hold your hand and I hold their elbow. And because you don't want to just kind of tear their arm around. You want to hold because you work really from your shoulder And so you hold their elbow and you hold their hand and you get like, I will take their paint, their brush over, they are holding the brush and we get the paint together. And, you know, and I make it like, we're a team, we're going to do this together and we're going to paint and maybe it's really great because it might be a wash and I'll try to get a rhythm and I'll say, you know, did you ever ice skate? Like, you know, let's pretend we're gliding and, you know, going back and forth and look at, we're putting the paint down. Do you see the beautiful colors and just make it as simple as possible. And it turns out to be fun and they got their hand in it. Maybe I can walk away and they'll might do some more. Maybe I've, I've broken their fear a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's called a hand over hand technique and they can, can, it's great for people who are afraid, people who maybe don't have great eye-hand coordination any longer or have lost mm-hmm. that or lost their dexterity. You know, it could be a, any one of different issues. Right. Yeah. And it's it's interesting thinking about the variety of reasons someone might want to not paint that they're, you know, worried that their hand's going to shake or... Oh, yeah. Well, that's a great one. I, oh yeah, yeah that's uh, let it shake. They'll say I'm too shaky. I'm like, well, no, just I you know what I say to that. I say just let it shake, baby. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have your own new style today. It's gonna be yep. great. You I know? Like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, with kids, I don't ever like. I don't use those techniques. I don't hold their hand or paint on their paper. But uh-huh. one thing I have done that's similar in some ways is this like ghost finger thing where, you know, I think that's what some teachers call it, where you sort of use just your finger and trace a line. Like we're going to make a line that's this big or that's like this shape. Uh huh. Usually for me, it's just to show them like, use the whole paper. <laughs> Don't make something teensy tiny in the middle. Right. Let's draw our line like this. Yeah. Let's open it up. Yeah. Just giving them the visual of this is where it might go and drawing with your finger. There's no mark being put on the paper, but you're, you see that there's where my finger went. Now you can draw that line. Right. Good. Yeah. And you could do that with your video, your Zoom video. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's another interesting thing. Do you feel like you're going to continue the in-person when you can? Will you go back to that at Mm -hmm. all? In fact, in St. Louis, they are starting to open up. I have Mm-hmm. I have one group scheduled now to go back to a community that I went to, but they're also ordering online mm-hmm. and they've already started doing that. So I will go back in person and I would yeah. like to do that locally for some of my local clients. Yeah. But I have had different communities across the country that are interested and have been ordering. So that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great, you know, what your friend said about having this potential. So true. Like now you've really been able to expand. Right. Now the geographical walls are down. Right. Exactly. And I've been talking to, you know, people in Canada and and connecting with people in the UK. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, wow, this is, and it's been very fun. And Mm -hmm. I find it very exhilarating to, make all these new contacts. Yeah, and have so many options, so many possibilities. Right. Earlier, you talked about your house portrait business. Mm -hmm. And I see that there's a connection there with Starting locally and then really growing. You talked about uh-huh. having a publicist and being featured in magazines and spreading uh-huh. that way. I always like to get into the business side of art. 
and there's, you know, your teaching is a business, but then your art making, are you still doing the house portraits? And, I am. And what kind of tips would you have for artists looking to, if we want to work with a publicist or get featured in magazines, how has that been? How did you connect with those? There's a lot in there. <laughs> it's like five questions in one. <laughs> right. And I'm trying to think of the name of a company that I worked with. Let's see. Well, how did that work? Okay. So I, I got the website. Mm-hmm. And, well, at first it started in like 98, 99, I guess. I did not have a website, but I had the idea of building my house portrait into a kind of a bigger business. Like, and I was a stay at home mom. I had very young children and I thought I don't really have the time to do marketing and do the artwork and all of that. Like, how could I make it come to me? Yeah. How many kids do you have? I have three. Yeah. The oldest is, I mean, the youngest is almost 30. So yeah. But that's a lot to have three young kids and be trying to do this. Right. And so I had a friend who worked for a um, mail order catalog and it had a sister company called Home Decorators Collection. And I had this idea, like, what if I got in a mail order catalog? It's a Home Decorators Collection is all home items, you know, like maybe a home goods store only in a catalog, you know. Right. And I jumped through the hoops. I made the contacts. I did all this stuff. And I was thinking, it's time for me to follow up with that. It's been enough time. I haven't heard back. It's about time. And it was about that time I got a call from a guy at a warehouse here in St. Louis. And he said, well, I want to talk to you about the shipping logistics for your house portraits. I was like, what? Are they going to do it? He's like, well, yeah. I was like, yeah. So they did. They ran me in their catalog and there were like, I think, um, I think it was like 3 million catalogs. Wow. Is that right? I think so. And uh, it was national Mm -hmm. and they ran me and I was like a wholesaler to them. Mm. And I got like 200 orders in six months and I had to figure that out. So I had to hire some subcontractor artists who could paint for me and do things for me. And that was a lot of work. And I was a wholesaler. So that meant that I wasn't charging, you know, I wasn't getting my regular price. I was splitting it with them. Right. People liked it. Their customers liked it. Like they would send thank you notes to the catalog. Like we loved oh. our watercolor portrait. It was like, <laughs> and some sometimes it would be on an, another artist. And the, the deal was that they couldn't sign their names. It was going to be for me. And it was uh, like some of the other artists that I had working for me, I thought, well, they're like, they're better than I am. Uh, (laughs) And I thought, that's probably good. See how smart I am? (laughs) (laughs) Not a very good artist, but (laughs) businesswoman. (laughs) And um, so they liked me, but that was not, they ran me in two different magazines or two different runs and they liked it. The customers liked it, but it was not enough volume to justify them. I mean, they didn't charge me to be in there. I just had to split the cost with my, the price with them. And and it just, it wasn't enough. They finally had to say, we're really sorry, but we can't keep you in our catalog. But suddenly I was a nationally recognized house portrait business. Mm. And yeah. I was like, well, okay, well, that was a lot of work. I didn't make a lot of money, but I got a lot of things out of it. Like, and I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, let's just say I went back on my own and did my own advertising in a national magazine, maybe. And I got a website because I don't have the, like I had the credibility of this mail order catalog behind me. So they could just go off the little picture in the magazine. But now if it's just some little business out of St. Louis and all they see is a little picture, they, they'd want to see more before they order something like that. And yeah. so I decided I'd get a website And so people could just go to the website and look at it. And I did a lot of research on magazines and I got a, you're pretty young, but magazines used to be all the thing. And they used to have those like several pages of ads in the back, Mm -hmm. little ads, you know, for different, different types of products. So that's what I was sequestered to because of price. I mean, I think I got like a little uh, two by six ad. In, in the back of Country Living magazine for $7,000. Yeah. Wow. 
<laughs> I know. And that was a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, I had to figure that out too, but I got, I ended up starting to make money on that. Mm-hmm. And then other people saw it and solicited work and a, a publicist company out of Arizona solicited my business to be on, have me on a group of products that they would put a publicist on. And I did that and and I got more publicity that way and it went pretty well. But the thing is you have, you don't want to just pay for your ads and that you, you, they need to be making you money, but it was starting to look like I was going in that direction. And then the recession hit and my kids were getting older and my youngest was getting ready to go to college. And I was hoping that this house portrait business would be sustained, you know, something that would sustain me. And it was like, it was looking Not. kind of bad. That, and that's when mm-hmm. I started having to find other gigs, other part-time mm-hmm. things. And like, uh, and, and it was all in a, you know, like my life was, my professionally, my life was in a little bit of an uproar. Mm-hmm. And I did not want to, however, just kind of jump ship on this being an artist thing. Because yeah. I had invested so much energy and and even money and, you know, into developing myself as a artist. And I thought I can't just stop doing this and go do something else. I, I, so thankfully I hung in there with it and kept trying different things and looking at different things and this whole senior care and um, senior living communities and, and art with more of a therapeutic bent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's what I consider. It's ther- I'm not an art therapist, but it is therapeutic art that I'm offering therapeutic art program. Yeah. And I love how you sort of came to this time of of a bit of crisis and shifted in that way. But I like that you, with Artfully Aging, that you, yeah, your the recession hit, that hit me right after grad school, which was not the right time to be finishing grad school. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> with an art degree. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, so many people, I'm sure like artists, especially were kind of in that boat. Like what, what now, what do I do? Right. Who needs a watercolor artist? (laughs) (laughs) And I had no CAD skills, you know, I, our our computer skills really were Mm -hmm. very lacking, you know, it was like, (laughs) but it is kind of a parallel now in the big picture in the big scheme of things that I see that with my house portrait business and I was little, kind of local, and then realized I could open it up maybe with technology by having a website Mm -hmm. and start getting orders. And people just sent me photos that, and you know, there was no texting or emailing pictures or anything. Everything just showed up in the mail. Whatever pictures I got, I had to work with. And you know, now I text people pictures when they're when it's halfway through and. No, they send me the, it's so different with technology now. Yeah, it's changed things a lot. And even now, you know, with the shift that you've made also to video now, that's a huge change that right. I feel like a lot of teachers can relate to. Having to figure all of it out too is just enormous, but really helpful. Right. Uh, and I feel it's a little scary, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's a little daunting, I, mm-hmm. but I'm, I've really pushed through a lot, really. I think I've really worked through a lot of my issues. <laughs> That's great. Yes. <laughs> uh, now I'm downloading like, I can do this. <laughs> videos and doing a lot of things I never imagined I'd do. And I still yeah. hit the wall. You know, I don't know how to make a PowerPoint presentation. Somebody asked for that not long ago, and I'm like, I, I don't have time. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like... Uh, yeah, all of those little, all of those things, all the like details that we have to learn, the tech stuff that we have to learn. And I feel like it's definitely just going to continue moving in that direction. Right, it is. And I am very happy that I, even though it's a lot of work, and right now I'm really into the sales and marketing part of the new Artfully Aging. And that was a whole nother layer of technology because it's, it's all internet marketing you know, LinkedIn is my platform for that. And, and now I've developed this whole new network in the senior living industry. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, and I'm a whole part of this whole new community. It's all virtual, but you know, I meet people on zoom like this all the time. 
Really, uh, I do. I've, yeah. I've met people in Canada and, and just networked and it's really been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible what's happening, opening up the world. I love to to get a few just like sort of peeks into your life as well. And one, I really like to think about time and especially as a parent now, now I guess that's not as big a part of your day to day. Like there aren't little kids at home anymore. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's at home anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But maybe if you could just share what's a, a week in the life, what's a day in the life? Like where is your time spent? Well, obviously I'm at home all the time. And, yep. <laughs> you know, it wasn't that long ago, a year and a half ago, I was going around. I was on the road all the time in St. Right. Louis. And I would, you know, might have two or three groups in a day over, mm-hmm. you know, morning and the afternoon. And I would pack all my things in my car with me and my mm-hmm. lunch. Right. And I would try to schedule efficiently so I wasn't darting all over St. Louis city and county, but, you know, a group in that area together on the same day, and you know, different areas. And um, I would work out of my car. You know, I'd eat yeah. lunch in my car. I knew where my local bank branches were in different parts of town and different things. My dentist was on that side. So I knew <laughs> I could schedule, you know, I, I, and I, that's how my life was then. And I would bring work in the car. So if I had breaks, you know, rather than driving all the way home, I would just stay in the vicinity and, or I'd Mm -hmm. have my computer and I'd go in the coffee shop, you know, just, I had all kinds of crazy, I was all over the place. And now I'm home all the time, mostly on my computer and I am remarried. So I have a husband and he's an artist also. Oh, cool. And so we're two self-employed artists. He is a fine decorative painter. So he's totally different from what I do. And we live in a very wooded area, which is really nice. And Mm. uh, so a beautiful surrounding. And yeah, I'm home and working a lot on my phone and my computer these days. And a long walk is often a daily routine. And nice. a couple of days will go by where my car does not leave. Uh, and yep. it's, it's really, you know, it's really different. I'm like, it's so different. And when yeah. I start going back to communities, I don't know that I will ever go back to scheduling 40 different places every month. Mm. I really, I would rather not do that many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when I go, start going back out, I've been thinking, you know, I'm going to have to get geared up, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's so different. I feel that too. Even just thinking about going back to the schedule we had before, where it's like get up at five and get everybody ready to go, drop off at school, go to, yeah, all of How these. How many children do you have? I just have one. So okay. it's not even, but you know, still. not even that much, but one is enough. Sure. Yeah. Six year old. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Back on that routine of like it's, It'll be a little bit different, you know, and it's really funny because we have all the seasons here. And so there are uh, winter and summer clothes. And I still put all the winter clothes away for the summer and get the summer clothes out for, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I got all my winter clothes out last fall and anything for work did really hardly got worn. And so it's all being put back away with the cleaner tickets on it you know it's like yeah maybe next winter I'll wear this you right. know? <laughs> oh yeah someday it's all coming back right yeah I also I have a couple of just fun like get to know you questions okay so one what are you curious about right now oh I guess maybe I'm curious about the future of maybe of the in our country we've gone through a lot Mm -hmm. and a lot of upheaval a lot of you know uproar and just a lot of people at odds and you know I'm wondering if where we're going to go from there Mm -hmm. we're going to be able to come back come back and see each other's differences maybe in a if we're going to keep evolving I I guess I've been saying you know we like we came up with these vaccines so fast right like that was record time and yeah, and made them and figured out how to distribute them. And like, wow, we have like come so far, you know, from past pandemics and science has just come so far. And maybe we need to evolve a little more quickly emotionally mm-hmm. as, a, as a people. 
right? Yeah. Collectively. And yeah. I'm, I'm curious about that. Here's how, where things are going. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like we've devolved <laughs> emotionally. Yeah. Right. So maybe we'll, you know, but sometimes things have to get really messy before they get better. So yeah, so. there's a beautiful writing and just this, the metaphor of like the butterfly and metamorphosis, but mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the name. There's an article in, I think it was in Scientific American where this like science writer writes, writes about the process of metamorphosis that a caterpillar goes through and that, you know, once it's sort of cocooned, that there's caterpillar soup, like it completely disintegrates its body to reform. And I feel like that's where we are now. We are the soup. We're the caterpillar soup right now. Yeah, <laughs> and I we're like trying that. to put ourselves back together into right. a new form. Right. Yeah. But this is messy and painful and hard. And that's just part of the process. Maybe mm-hmm. not rather than, oh, it's doomsday. It's like, we're just moving along. And, yeah. We're just yeah. in this, in this process. Right. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then <laughs> I have another question, maybe okay. related to soup, caterpillar soup. What is your favorite food? Like, I feel like that's a fun way to get to know somebody. Really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> like my favorite meal, maybe, or I don't know. Like something, well, I will just share this. So my favorite meal to make and have for dinner Mm. is grilled salmon, mashed potatoes, and a big green salad. That's my favorite meal to make and eat. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That's, we do a similar, like really simple salmon, mashed potatoes, and like broccoli or green beans, something, something green. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and right. that's like my daughter. She actually loves that, which I'm like, yes, <laughs> right. keep and loving the, that food. Yeah. And the mashed potatoes, I've learned how to do really easily. Like I'll, I, I, I mash them with skins and everything. I, and I mm. always like, where did the skins go? Like I don't, they're, <laughs> they just mash right in. <laughs> yeah. And that's so good. There's so much nutrient lost in the skin sometimes when when you you peel it, when you skin them. Yeah, when you take them off. So really, my husband and I eat dinner off, you know, at home every night. We're like, oh, this dinner is so good. It's better than going out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We marked over a year of just cooking. We didn't do takeout or anything during the pandemic. Yeah. And we were like, wow, it's been over a year. And then, you know, we finally, we were like, okay, we're both vaccinated. Like, let's order something. <laughs> so have you been out yet? We haven't been out like to a restaurant. I mm-hmm. mean, we have been to the, finally, we actually were also getting groceries and everything delivered. We just were really shut in. <laughs> wow. And where yeah, are you? But we've, we're in Los Angeles. Yeah. And we were still going outside. Like we have, you know, parks and the little courtyard in our building. So, you know, we were getting some outdoor time, but we weren't going to any public places really. Right. Aside from outside at the park. Yeah. But that shift when we were like, okay, it's been, I can't believe it's been a year. Like, I don't think we've ever done that before. Or will we ever do that again? A full year of not buying, not ordering takeout or going to a restaurant. Yeah. Right. Well, I was like, look at all the money we're saving. Right. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, got to keep this up to some level. <laughs> right. And it's healthy. Yeah. But I'm not a big baker. I like to cook more than I like to bake. And I don't like to follow recipes. I like to read recipes and get ideas, but I like to make up my own thing. I, I don't yeah. usually use a, a cookbook, you know. Yeah. Well, I feel like there's in baking, it's harder to do that. Right. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why I don't like baking. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what to do. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Just kind of wrapping up, is there anybody that you'd want to give a shout out to or thank? Oh, how about Fritz? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for connecting us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I can, maybe I'll link to him too. And then I'll link to all of your info as well. But maybe if you could share with listeners where they can find you online. Okay. I have two websites. Artfully Aging is art programming for senior living communities. And that is artfullyaging.com. And then for my house portrait business, that is designs with an S, designs by Mary Beth is the URL. But you could Google 
you know, have Mary Beth Flynn house portraits or house portraits in St. Louis, you'd, you'd probably find it all the, those ways. So awesome. Yeah. I still yeah. get house portrait orders. I just did a house for someone, the third house for them. The first one I did in 2006. Wow. So I they keep that. coming back with, you know, yeah. when they move new around. houses. Yeah. As uh-huh. they move, they're like, we need another one. Right. That's and, great. And, and they move to different parts of the country or I, people I've never met because they're only, I only, they only ever found me online, you know. Yeah. It's, it's really fun. It's special. That is yeah. amazing. It's kind of heartfelt. Like there's a usually mm-hmm. a tie about home, you know. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Mary Beth. This was really great. I feel like I learned a lot in that I can take forward working with my seniors. Oh, good. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can reach me at Teaching Artist Podcast on Instagram or Teaching Artist Podcast at gmail.com. Who do you want to hear from? Please share your recommendations of teaching artists. And if you loved this episode, please subscribe, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow me. It really makes a big difference. Thank you. Thank you.